0: I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. Uh, something about the deliverance for our families and the role of the church in this deliverance. I'm asking you to look at Matthew 17. I'm focusing on verses 14 through 21. Now, this is after the transfiguration of Jesus. That's important to remember. The transfiguration of Jesus happened after Matthew 16 when Jesus said, Whom do men say that I am? And Peter and the apostles said, Some say you're Isaiah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, one of the prophets. He said, Well, whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, that is when Jesus turned to Peter and said, Flesh and blood didn't tell you that. My father is the only one that could have revealed that to you. So this is about two months before the crucifixion. Jesus is getting ready to go back to God. It sounds like the apostles are on solid ground before he leaves. So he starts talking about going to the cross. He said the Son of Man is going to be denied, going to be betrayed. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. And Peter, with his smart mouth, Because he had spoken correctly one time, decided that he was going to speak again, and said, be it far from you, you're the son of God, you will never have to die. And Jesus looked at the same man and said, get behind me, Satan. People get carried away when God uses them one time. You spoke one word of prophecy and it came true. Now all of a sudden you think you're a prophet. You encourage one person and they said, oh, that's just what I was looking for. And all of a sudden now you think you're a counselor. We're supposed to prophesy to one another. We're supposed to be used by the Holy Ghost to speak encouragement to one another. When Paul said, I would you all would prophesy, he's not talking about calling somebody out and speaking that type of prophecy. The word prophesy there means to encourage people to prosper or have a good day. That's what he means. Not you being all mystical and spooky and, and yeah, the Lord visited me and stood in my bedroom last night and told me to tell you this today. No, it means that when we see one another, we're supposed to encourage one another. What did I go through today? What did you go through today? You know, what are we supposed to do? Encourage one another. You said, but I had a hard day. Guess what the best medicine I know to help you feel better? encourage somebody else. I found out that when I'm struggling in a hard day, if I encourage Cedric, I feel better than he does because that encouragement had to flow through me before it got to him. And then to to see his eyes light up and say, you know, I needed that. You know, that ministers back to me that God was able to use me to say one thing to break the yoke of bondage in his life. So here we are, that Peter said, you don't have to go to the cross. Jesus had said to him earlier in Matthew 16, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, only my father, which is in heaven. Now Jesus has got the same dude and says, get behind me, Satan. God used him one moment. The devil used him the next moment. Boy, we have to be careful. With all of your holiness, all your righteousness, all of your Bible reading, and all of your grandmama's prayers. Just because you think that God uses you every time you open your mouth doesn't make it so. So here's what Jesus had to do. Take them up on a mountain, Peter, James, and John, and then be transfigured before them. In Matthew 16, he said, Whom do men say that I am? They said, Elijah, Jeremiah john the baptist one of the prophets in matthew 17 he is visited by moses and elijah he is in their company and all of a sudden they disappear and jesus is left alone and a voice comes from heaven and says to peter james and john this is my beloved son hear ye him or hear him don't worry about moses and don't worry about elijah get jesus nobody is equal to jesus Try that again. Ain't nobody equal to Jesus. Moses wrote five books in the Old Testament. Jesus didn't write Nam but ain't nobody equal to Jesus. Elijah called down fire from heaven, killed 450 of Jezebel's prophets and another 400 prophets of Baal. 850 prophets. Jesus never killed a prophet but ain't nobody equal to Jesus. And so They're up on the mountain. God has given them that revelation. And nine of the others are still down in the valley. And here's what happens. Verse number 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to Jesus. Now, this is when Jesus, Peter, James, and John came back from the mountain. And this man was kneeling down to him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is, the King James says, a lunatic. The new King James says an epileptic. And suffer severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, not Peter, James, and John. They're with Jesus. He brought them to the nine. Can you name any of the nine? The one who doubts, what's his name? Thomas. Peter's brother, what's his name? Starts with an A. Andrew. Andrew, John's brother. No, James, James, Peter, James, and John. James was with John. Um, the one that betrayed Jesus, what's his name? But there were two named Judas. One, Judas Iscariot, and another one just named Judas. There was Bartholomew. There were nine others. Nine, would you say nine others? nine others? Yeah, the biggest crowd is at the foot of the mountain. The smallest crowd is up on the mountain. Three who believe in Jesus are on the mountain with him. Nine who who believe in him are at the foot of the mountain. And the man said, I brought my boy, my epileptic, who suffers severely. I brought him to your disciples, to the nine. And then what does it say, that last clause? Would you read that of verse number 16? But they what? No, they would not cure him. Is that what it says? But they would not cure him. Because you were out of town, you were up on the mountain. They what? Would not. Would not. Would not. What does could not mean? They tried. The church tried and could not cure him. I need you to say that with me. The church tried and could not. How many drug addicts have been in this room? How many sick people, crippled people have been in this room? The church tried and could not. See, I would have felt better if it said they would not. (laughs) You know, well, sir, you know, uh, our master, he's not here. And maybe he'll be back in a couple of hours and we'll see what happens. No, they tried. And the boy was still sick. And the parent was still desperate. How many desperate parents come to church? I can't tell you the number of people that have come and just asked for prayer for their kids. My, my son just won't do right in school. My daughter, she's just misbehaving. She's just running around, just promiscuous. I, I can't tell you the number of people. For their teenagers. And now the way the world is going, the preteens are can be pretty bad too. Man, you got your kid in school, and they fight, and they cuss, and carry on. And now the teachers, the school system has no patience with them at all. They mess up one time, they're calling for you. They can't even raise their voices to them. How many people have come to church for their family? I need healing in my family. And the church was so busy trying to be an institution. The church was so busy raising money. The church was so busy having the busy B-Day and the hula hoop day and the big hat day and the sick person sitting over here hurting and all we're doing is competing with one another on who's got the best looking outfit on. I'm not against fashion shows. You know, I understand we have time for fellowship, but that fellowship ought to come in addition to what we do in the kingdom of God, not in the place of it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If, you got, if all your church is doing, and this is not Carver, but if all a church is doing is having these little competitions and hat shows and, and rallies and all that, they fail to be a church. A church is supposed to care about people. That's what makes church, church, because that's what we are, people, people. A church should care about people. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. Now, y'all do know he's talking to the man and his boy, right? Is that who you think he's talking to? Sure he is. Because if the boy didn't get healed, it couldn't be the church's fault. It must be the little boy. You won't have any faith. How many times have we told sick people that? I said, somebody's going to get healed tonight. How many times have we told people that if you didn't get well, just come back because you know, you get your faith right. Did you ever think about people stay, can stay sick because the church doesn't believe? My God. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. Oh, oh, the devil was in that boy. Now, is that to say that the, the demon is in every sick person? No, but in this case, His epilepsy was caused by a demon presence. Is that to say that every epileptic is demonized? No. It's only in this case and other cases where there may be a demon. So please don't think that everybody's sick or every sick child has a devil inside of them. Churches make that mistake too. No. No, no, no. Everybody that crazy, it's not a demon. Some people are crazy. Well, they are. And crazy is just a word. That's not a, I'm not throwing off. Crazy is just a word for people that have certain types of mental illness. And drugs can help control it. But see, drugs can't control demons. <laughs> you give a demonized person drugs, it doesn't affect them one bit. If drugs are contributing to that person having better behavior, that's not a demon. That's something wrong that we need to pray for them to be healed. But in this case, oh, help me, Lord Jesus, they misdiagnosed it. Maybe they were praying for the boy to be well, not realizing this kid had a demon. Does your kid have a demon? Don't answer that. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and it came out of him, and it came out of him. And the child was cured cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said, now watch this. Jesus said to them, because of the little boy's unbelief, because of the father's unbelief, because of your unbelief for surely I say to you if you have faith as a mustard seed you'll say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you however this kind does not go out except with prayer and fasting I want to give you two or three points and I prepared them for you and I'm probably not going to stick to this at all But I want to give you two or three points on here because you understand when you talk about victory, that faith is a necessity. Hebrews 11 and 6. Do you need to find it or do you know it by heart? I think you know this one by heart. For without faith, it is impossible to please him for, uh uh-uh, turn to it. Ah, turn to it. Let's get the whole concept. (coughs) While you're finding it, the source of faith is God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith comes, faith comes, faith cometh, faith comes. See, faith comes. It comes. It's an infusion into your spirit from God. All right, you got Hebrews 11 and 6. Let's try it. For without faith, what? To what? Please him for they who come to God must believe that. Number one, believe two things. Number one, he what? He is. He exists. And number two, he is a rewarder of those, this this man and his boy who diligently seek him. What is diligence? Look at it. The man brought the boy to the nine first. They couldn't do anything. He didn't give up and go home. He went around them and took it to a higher power. He went to Jesus. He was careful to recognize these clowns were powerless. So he went to Jesus. Don't have faith in men. I wish I had somebody. I'll tell you about me. I'm a man. I'm not God. I work for him, but I ain't him. No, I'm, I'm not him. I'm not him. Don't have faith in my prayers. You ever heard people say, you know, I got faith in your prayer. No, you need faith in God. See, it sounds good when I got faith in your prayers, but this is not hocus pocus. When, when we as a church pray for people to be healed, that's not because of us having something, it's because of who God is. What we have to have, according to what Jesus said, because of your unbelief, we have to have faith as we're praying for people. Do you believe that God is going to do something about it? So, faith is important and it's a necessity. And it activates two things, our salvation and our stewardship. What is salvation? It means that we're saved by faith, uh, by grace through faith. Our stewardship is our service to God. And God gives us everything by faith. Would you repeat that after me? Come on, God what? Gives us everything. Listen, God gives us everything by faith. Stop going around here thinking that, you know, my my luck is going to change. God doesn't bless by luck. Are you looking at your sister or brother next to you and you say, boy, looks like they're doing well. I don't know what's wrong with me. That's a faith issue. That's a faith issue. No need of you being jealous about anybody sitting up in here. That's a faith issue. You can get whatever you need by faith. But you have to dare to believe it. And you have to dare to be called Crazy. Because if people don't think you're crazy, you're not walking by faith. And by this crazy, I'm talking about that what you're believing for is impossible. You say, well, I don't see no changes in my life. Well, you may not be believing for nothing. You know, you may just be wishing for it. That's not the same thing. A prayer list is not a wish list if it's done in faith. And so we have to understand that God answers in responds to faith It's the thermostat that sets our blessing temperature. How hot are your blessings right now? Hallelujah. How hot is it right now in your life in the Lord? (laughs) Are you getting some surprises along the way? What's your latest testimony? Or do you have to think back a couple of years? Don't you recognize that God can do something for you all along the journey? You got to go back to 2012. What about 2016? What about the spring of this year, the summer of this year? What about right now? You say, well, I ain't got all that much going on. Why would you let your faith lay dormant? You say, I need a change right now. I need a job. I need a a breakthrough. Then what are you believing for? Or are you just uh, the kind of person that says, "I need," and I'm putting it in the Lord's hands. Repeat after me: Faith is not only a fact. Uh-uh. Let's use our outside voice. Faith is not only a fact. Faith is an act. What about your actions? What are you doing that demonstrates faith? I know a pastor in Tuscaloosa. Uh, many years ago, he needed a job, and I mean. There weren't any jobs anywhere. He was an able-bodied young man. He needed a job. You can't do this now, but I'm going to tell you what he did. He could not find a job. He had a wife. He had children to feed. He just he, he needed a job. So you know what he did? He went he, passing by a place where the guy put window panes and windows and doors. He just parked his car, went inside, picked up a broom, and started sweeping. He didn't know the guy, and the guy didn't know him. The guy was white. He just started sweeping. Man came out and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm working. He said, I don't know you. He said, I need a job. He said, "I, I didn't say I was hiring anybody. I don't know anything about you. He said, sir, you don't even have to pay me. You just watch me work. And if my work is pleasing to you, then we can talk about a job later. Not only, now this is the truth. Not only, and this man pastors the West Highland Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa. And his church got damaged in the tornado. Not only did he get the job from the man, within 10 years, he owned the glass place. 10 years later, the man sold the business to him. But it started get dressed. Just get dressed. Maybe you have to start off as a volunteer. Like that, like, like uh, Reverend Moore did. Maybe you would have to do that. But can I tell you that he said to the man, watch me work. I mean, your resume doesn't really tell the real story about your character. A resume is a good thing when it comes to reference, when it comes to, you know, uh, uh, recommendation. But people really care about your character. You don't want nobody working for you that's going to steal. You don't want anybody working for you that won't clock in on time and always trying to clock out early. And then got a bad attitude when they come in, don't even know how to say good morning. You know, and we live in a time when people want to check, but they don't want to work. I don't know how many entrepreneurs I talk to now, especially if they do manual labor like Reverend Hudson does the yards and other people, they tell you all the time, every business owner friend I have said, man, I can hire people, but as soon as I pay them, I can't see them no more. I pay them on Friday, they call in on Monday. They want the check. They don't want the job. So faith is important. Everybody say faith. The guy was, King James said lunatic. Uh, The new King James says epileptic. Lunatic had to do with the moon. Something seemed to change in the boy's nature. He would throw himself in fire and water. Now here are the points I need you to take with you tonight. Jesus spoke of different degrees of faith. There are three types of faith Jesus talked about. Number one, or letter A is what? Letter B is what? And letter C is, now all three of those is in this room tonight. Look real quickly, if you don't mind, at uh, Mark uh, 4 and 40. Somebody in this room has no faith. Don't let it be you. But somebody in this room has no faith. And I'm going to tell you why you got no faith in just a minute. Matthew 4 and 40. Somebody's going to get healed in here tonight. Matthew 440. If you got it, um, say the word works. Let's read it together with good voices. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Somebody in this room has no faith because fear is in the place. You see, faith fills a capacity, a space in your spirit. But that spirit, that, that, that space can also be filled with fear, and the two of them can't be in the same place. Now, what are you afraid of? In their case, they were afraid of a storm that they were in, and they thought the boat was going to drown. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid that your prayers won't work? Are you afraid that your prayers won't work because of your lifestyle? Are you afraid that your prayers won't work because of something you did wrong? Are you afraid your prayers won't work because you don't really think you know how to pray? Are you afraid that your prayers won't work because you don't know how to phrase the prayer? You don't think you deserve it. I said God is going to heal somebody in here tonight. The problem is when it comes to prayer and faith, we got to get the doubt out of the way. Now, the doubt is usually there because we take our situations the wrong way, like them. That storm wasn't really about them. That storm was raised up by demons to keep Jesus from getting to the shore where he healed the man that had the legion of devils. Mark 5. If you keep reading, this is the end of Mark 4, but remember the Bible wasn't written in chapters. If you just keep reading through Mark 5, as soon as they get on the land, there's a man full of devils. Those demons caused the storm to keep Jesus away. It wasn't about them. Everybody said, it ain't about me. See, you're a child of God. You think the devil's not going to attack you? You're a child of God. How will the devil break God's heart? By breaking your spirit. When the devil wanted to break God's heart in Genesis chapter 3 after he'd been thrown out of heaven, what did he do? Who did he approach? Did he approach God? No. He approached Jesus? No. Who did he approach? Adam and Eve. Because if he can break the spirit of God's child, he can break God's heart. God loves you. God wants you to prosper. Ooh, how come I didn't get an amen right there? God wants you to do well. And when you put on that long face and listen to the devil's lies, you know what the Bible calls that? Grieving the Holy Ghost. You know what grief means? Sad, sorrowful. The Holy Ghost is a person A happy person. He is in your life to bless your life. And look at you, moping and groping, moaning and groaning. It's just so hard nowadays. It just ain't like it used to be. And it grieves him. No faith. But then you can have little faith. Would you look at Matthew 14, 31? I said, God's going to heal somebody tonight. Matthew 14, 31. So that preacher sure does believe in healing. You got the right one. I do. I do. I don't believe it's the will of God for his children to suffer and be sick. Does that mean that we won't have sickness? Yeah. No, you know better than that. But it means that we should cast all of our cares on him. Yeah. You believe in the doctors? Yeah, I was with mine the other day. Sure I do. But I believe the word of God. I wish I had about five more people here that believe like I do. Because the truth is that God is Jesus. You know, I don't know what's happening in church now. When did they stop preaching on healing? You know they have. Have you noticed that? Everybody you see on TV now, they're preaching about how to have a good day. You know, yeah, how to prosper, how to get a few more things, a little more money. When's the last time you just heard somebody just come out and say, hey, we're praying for the sick over here. Come down here. Bring the sick down here. Americans, we've got kind of, you know, um, easy about this. But I believe that the word is right. Look at what it says in Matthew fourteen thirty one. If you could help me and read this with me, please. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, Oh, you of what? Why did you doubt? You can have no faith and then you can have little faith. But then you can have great faith. Luke 7, verse 9. Luke 7 and 9. Now, this is going to hurt a little bit when we get down here. I want to I warn you. Luke 7 and 9. <clears throat> Jesus said, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled. Him and turned and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. You know why he said that? The guy that he's citing with great faith wasn't Jewish. There are two people in the Bible that Jesus said had great faith. This man, who was the centurion, who was a Roman soldier, didn't know nothing about Jehovah. And a Syrophoenician woman who had a sick daughter, she was an idol worshiper. You know who has the poorest faith sometimes for miracles? Church folks. The ones that sit up in the house of God every week. Sometimes they, they're more sad than people in the world. You know what's something wrong with that? That's why I don't believe in a sad worship service. I don't know how you feel about it, but the Bible says make a joyful noise, 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 noise. If you can't stand noise, I don't know what's going to happen to you. Because if you die and go to hell, they're weeping and crying and screaming down there. if you go to heaven, they're saying, hallelujah, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. This is the quietest world you're ever going to be in. I don't know what's going to happen to you. It happens amongst noise and listen, Jesus said to this guy who had no understanding of the covenant, you got great faith. He said it to a woman, same thing, you got great faith. Sometimes people who just get saved get miracles that rusty saints can't get. Because their faith is on a higher pitch because they're excited about God. Let me talk to married folk or folk that have been married. Maybe even you're not married now, for what I'm getting ready to say. How you like to be married to somebody and they're not excited about the marriage? No time. How does that feel? They avoid you in the house. They even won't come home. I'm not talking about you now. Don't give yourself away here. I'm looking at that clock up there. I'm not looking at nobody. I ain't looking at nobody. I'm looking at the clock. Oh, how you like to live with somebody that looks past you, never looks at you. How do we think that God must feel if his people aren't excited about him? With all that he does for us. His mercies are made new every day. You could get something from God today you've never gotten before in the 40 years you've been alive. Oh, I don't have any help. Great faith. So you have great faith. Now with that, we have to have faith in God, not faith in faith. Faith has to have an object. Faith in God, not faith in faith. A lot of people preach faith, but they don't say about why it should be faith in God. But understand it's about faith in him. And I put a note here about the prodigal son. He wanted the father's possessions but not the father's presence. Give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So I can do what? Leave you. I want your stuff but I don't want to be with you. Lord help me tonight. So what do we have to believe about God? I've got it here. Number one is what? God is faithful and faithful means? when? Always. Then you have to believe number two, what? God is why. have to believe in God's wisdom. You have to have faith in God's wisdom. He knows what's best for me. So because I pray for something on this Wednesday and I don't see it Wednesday night, that doesn't mean that God has rejected me. It means that I need to now let him put me on his schedule for that deliverance. People say, well, I, I, I just gave up because, you know, it didn't happen. Well, you ain't dead yet. God has time to deliver, to heal you. God has time to set you free. Trust God's wisdom. You may pray for it this Wednesday. It may be five more Wednesdays before it happens. But what you have to do is stand on that word. You have to keep repeating it. You say, but I get tired. Bishop, of repeating it. No, you got to keep repeating it you got to repeat it until you believe it. See, when you first start repeating a word, you you, you saying it, but it ain't, it, it's, it's not a part of you like it needs to be. Remember the illustration I gave you the other Sunday? And I meant that. I'm going to tell you that again. I was going through a dark space, and it, was, it, was, it wasn't anything bad. It was just I was in this. You ever been in a place where you just needed to hear from God? And I had some issues going on, and it was real troubling to me. And I had a prayer chair, and I'd be in my prayer chair. I'd mark fasting time, and I'd be doing that. And I just couldn't seem to, to get what I needed. And I was reading through the book of something. I was reading through the whole Bible. I was in the book of Psalms. I was reading, I think, at that time, ten chapters a day. And I was in the book of Psalms, and I got to Psalm forty-six, and it says, "Be still and know that I am God." And that verse just jumped out of the Bible. You never had her to do that for you? I mean, it just jumped out. I remember one time I had a fight with a girlfriend when I was a teenager. It was a bad fight. And I left out of her house, went and got in my car and crunked the car up. And right on the radio was the very song I needed to hear after that fight I just had with her. I mean, it just said everything I needed to say. That's why some of y'all older folk, you still play the blues and stuff when <laughs> stuff happened to you. I mean, that's just the way you feel. <laughs> and I was so down and without and I was so broken. And I opened it and said, be still and know that I'm God. I said, wow. So I said, let me get the New American Standard Translation because I, that's actually what I was re- uh, reading through the Bible through. And it said, cease striving and know that I'm God. And I said, well, let me get the Amplified version, and it said, let it be and be still and know that I'm God. I'm telling you that word set me on fire, but I didn't own it. See, I can loan Pearl, Pearlie a $20 bill right now, and she's got control of that $20, but she knows it's really my 20 she may put it in church tonight. She may stop at the store and spend it. But son, I told her when I loaned it to her, or she told me, one or the other, Sunday I'm going to give it back to you. You see, that's the way we are about the word. We, we borrow it, but we won't own it. Yeah, the Bible say, yeah, but you, it, you ain't owning it. So you got to own it. You got to own it. It's got to be your every thought. Your magnificent obsession, where no matter what anybody says, mama, daddy, in laws, outlaws, no matter what anybody says, you don't move. I needed to own it. And so, Deacon Johnson, I took out a sheet of paper. This is the only way I knew. I thought about when I was in school, one of the ways our teachers used to punish us was to make us write a sentence 100 times. And I said let me write it 100 times. And I took out some paper and I started writing, "See striving, know that I'm God. See striving, know that I'm God. See striving, know that I'm God." 50 times, "See striving, know that I'm God." 60 times. "See striving, know that." I'm-. By the time I got to about the 80 or 85th time, it was natural to me. When I got to 100, I felt like I was owning it better. But it still wasn't enough. I wrote it on another piece of paper and put it on the mirror in the bathroom in the master bedroom. So when I got up in the morning and went to the bathroom, opened the door, first thing I saw was, "See striving Lord, know that I'm God. I put it on the refrigerator and let a little magnet hold it on the refrigerator because, you know, I go to the refrigerator and when I go to the refrigerator, what do I see? Cease driver, no, I'm gone. I put one of the lists that, that, you know, I had to use several sheets of paper, one on the nightstand, one on the dresser. Everywhere I looked until I got it down in here. I had to move it from up here and get it down here. Everybody, without listening to anybody else, tell me your phone number, your, your cell phone number, or your home phone number. Tell me right now. See, you own that thing. You know it. Tell me my number. Why can't you tell me my number? Because you don't own it. Tell me your address right now. Tell me my home address. Tell me your neighbor's home address. Sitting next to you tonight. Why can't you do it? It ain't yours. You don't own it. See, you got to stop looking at the Bible You got to stop looking at the Bible as a book. Don't worry about it being 66 books. Don't worry about it being Old and New Testament. Just get you some few scriptures you can remember. And hang on to it. That's what the old church did across the street. The new church don't do over here. They learn Bible verses. Man, they go to choir rehearsal. Everybody had to have a Bible verse. They call your name, Brother Sherman Young, and you get up, you know, Jesus wept, 25 cents. Lord and my shepherd, I shall not want 50 cents. But we said those scriptures until we owned them. They were a part of our life. And listen, whatever the promises of God, when you, when you read, when you're in trouble, when you're sick, when you're looking for something, that's why you read the word. You are searching for the verse that's going to jump out on you. And you don't know where it is. Sometimes you see it on a billboard. Sometimes you see it in a devotional book. Sometimes somebody will send you a text message. I was on the way over here one Sunday, and it was one of those Sundays when I wasn't feeling 100% in my spirit. And I got a text message from uh, Bishop Will Compton, who preached our church anniversary last November, Every Sunday morning, Will sends me a text message. And I declare that that message he sent me that morning was just like he was inside of my head. Now, I'm not the only one he texts on Sunday morning. That's a part of his ministry. The people he's preached for in relationship with, every Sunday morning, Will is going to sit down and send him a text message. Honey, I needed that text message that morning. You ever been that way? I needed it that morning. And when I saw it, I owned it. I owned it so much I flipped the phone over, opened up my text messages to some of y'all and sent you the same thing. And you text me back. Bishop, I sure didn't need that. Thank you. (laughs) Honey, you got to own it. It's got to become yours. It's got to become a part of your life like your phone number. If I ask you to give me a Bible verse, that verse that you own ought to jump out of your mouth. What's your favorite Bible verse? Tell me right now. That was some of y'all. What about the rest of y'all? You're thinking you got so many, you're just trying to get them up, right? (laughs) Honey, you got to own it. You got to own it. It's not how many times you read through the Bible. I've read it through more than once. It's not how many times you read through it. It's how many times it goes through you. Let me jump. I want to say this in close. My time is out. He talks about mustard seed faith. And I just want to make this point. This is back in Matthew 17. Three minutes and I'm going to let you, let you, let you go. But I feel like shouting. Matthew 17. I'm going to tell you why I feel like shouting. I do. I feel like shouting. Uh, Jesus, they came to Jesus and said, why couldn't we do it? He said, verse, uh, what is that, 20? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, or surely I say to you, if you have faith, what? Like a grain of mustard seed? No, what? I don't know why people mess that verse up all the time. You got to have faith like a like a mustard seed. No, as a mustard seed. You learned in elementary school the difference between like and as. If your faith is like a seed, it never changes from being the size of a seed. The mustard seed was the smallest seed in Jesus part of the world. It was teeny tiny. It's a little round seed. I've seen one. If you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from there and it will be removed. Nothing will be impossible to you. Go to Matthew 13. Go back about four chapters and I'm going to let you go home. Matthew 13. The great uh, parable chapter. Matthew 13. Verse 31, I believe it is. Boy, I feel it. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Spirit of the Lord is here. Spirit of the Lord is here. Spirit of the Lord is here. Matthew thirteen thirty-one. Boy, I've been hanging around the Holy Ghost lately. I'm not kidding. You ever done that? Yeah, we've been kind of hanging out lately. I, I ain't going to kid you. We've been hanging out lately. You know, I'm in one of those seasons where I evaluate things and look at things. And I, Boy, me and the Holy Ghost, we've been hanging out lately, l- last couple of weeks. Uh, I like hanging out with him, too. He's a, hes good to hang out with. Um, Matthew 13, verse 31. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took, sowed in his field, which indeed is the what, everybody? Least, you You see it? Everybody see it? What verse is that? Verse uh, 32 which indeed is the what, everybody? Least of what? See, your faith comes in, it's real small. You got faith for healing. It may start off real small. I'm not kidding you. You got faith for a job, no faith, little faith, great faith. It may start off real small. Don't beat yourself up for that. Use what you got. Water it with the word. Stay in in the presence of positive people. Get away from negative folk now. Don't even take their call. When they call you, look at the phone, see it. No, don't even answer it. I don't know why some folk think they have to answer the phone. That's what you got call ID for to figure out if you need to answer it. I don't know why people do that. I don't know why you think you got to answer and respond to every text message come through. I sent you a text. You didn't respond. Oh, oh, what, what class on text etiquette you go to? I don't know why people think that you got to let negative folk work their way into your day. Honey, you got to guard your heart, protect your heart. I'm through now. Let's go. It's the least in the field, which is indeed the least of all seeds. B-U-T, but read this with me. I'm through. Come on. But when it is grown, I don't hear you, it is then the, yeah, read on. Then the herbs and it becomes a, see he ain't talking about mustard greens, collards and turnip green eating folk. The mustard tree was the biggest tree in Israel, but it started off the smallest seed as a grain of mustard seed. It starts off small, but in the right environment, the right water, the right sunlight, it grows to become what? the bigger, If you get great faith, it didn't start great. It started off with a rumor. I heard that Jesus can heal. I heard that Jesus gave you a job. I heard that Jesus caused peace to come in your home. I heard that Jesus brought your family together. That's a rumor. (laughs) But a rumor was enough for a woman with an issue of blood to crawl on the ground. Until she could pull the hem of my healer's garment. A rumor was enough for Zacchaeus to go up a sycamore tree. And wait there until Jesus passed by. A rumor is enough to make a man bring his sick son and say your disciples couldn't help him. But I wasn't going home until I talked with you. If you can do anything. Small. But you know what I'm doing tonight? Since you've been sitting here tonight, your faith has grown. Everybody in this room's faith has grown tonight. Because this is an environment, this is a faith service tonight. Everybody in this room, your faith is bigger than it was when you walked in the door. It's bigger, it's expanding. Everybody, put your hand on your belly. Say, My faith is growing. Say, I feel it growing. Say, In Jesus' name, I'm healed, I'm delivered. I'm set free. I am blessed and highly favored. I wish you'd clap your hands right there. And when it is grown, it's the largest tree, Deacon Johnson. Deacon Johnson, as long as it's a seed, I can hold it. But when it is grown, it's big enough to hold me. I don't need a faith that I can hold. I need a faith that can hold me when I get laid off, when the doctor said it's incurable, when I don't know which way to turn. I don't need a faith I can hold. I need a faith that can hold me. I need a faith strong enough that I can get on a limb. You don't see them anymore, but in Tuscaloosa, the boys used to build tree houses. And you could build a nice tree house. There's a man in Atlanta right now, and he, they, they got a competition going on. This dude has built a major house in a tree. And he's got a flat screen TV in it. He's got a bar in there. And they're all competing to see who's going to get to go up in that tree house. Honey, I got a tree house. And when it gets hard in my life, I go to the treehouse. I don't have a witness in there. When it gets rough, when I don't know which way to turn, I find that treehouse. And I don't want you bothering me when I'm in the treehouse.